Oral questions by members? Member for Prince George Valemount. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Integrated police mental health car programs, which pair a police officer with a mental health nurse, are a proven approach to violent crisis incidents. But right across the province, in community after community, urgent requests for the introduction or expansion of those car programs are stonewalled. Whether it's Prince George, Kelowna, or Kamloops, Penticton, Burnaby, Coquitlam, all denied. Yesterday, the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions couldn't provide a single reason why communities were being told no. And in fact, she tried to deny that her government had actually rejected these programs. In the wake of the death of Burnaby RCMP officer Constable Shaylin Yang, both the police and the mayor of Burnaby are speaking out. Here's what the mayor had to say. Mayor Mike Hurley said, and I quote, it's something that we must get. I'm past the stage of being nice about it, end quote. So when will the minister finally do the right thing stop blocking these desperately needed programs and ensure that these communities get the programs or the expanded programs that they need. Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. When people are in crisis because of mental health and substance use challenges, we want them to be met with care uh, and safety, and we want our communities to be safe as well. Uh, our first responder system does rely on police as the primary respondent. That's what 911 sends. And because that is both overburdening police and sometimes not leading to the best outcomes for people in crisis, our government has added in a number of ways, whether it's through ACT programs, whether it's through FACT, whether it is through CAR programs, or whether it is the most recent iteration of peer-assisted care teams, the number one call in the Lepard butler report. We continue to work with municipalities, with every health authority. We have not closed the door on any options, and we'll continue to look for ways to support police in their vital frontline work and to keep our communities safe in these moments of mental health and substance use crisis. Member for Prince George Valemount. Well, the minister knows full well that recent reports that she has received have told the government that these programs actually work. And she also knows that communities right across the province want these CAR programs available to respond when there is a risk of violence. For years now, the city of Prince George has been trying to expand this program and have been told no. Penticton Council directly begged the minister at UBCM for immediate urgent action, and she refused. Last year, Coquitlam Mayor Richard Stewart publicly expressed his frustration that this government denied a car program in Coquitlam. Following the tragic slaying of Constable Shaylin Yang, he has joined the mayor of Burnaby in calling once again for urgent action. Mayor Stewart said, and I quote, at some point, we're going to see another tragedy that is directly attributable to the fact that this kind of process occurs." End quote. So when will the minister listen to the advice of experts, the very reports that this government has commissioned? Will she get out of the way, stop blocking these programs, respond to communities, and make sure that there are mental health car programs across the province of British Columbia?
Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Our government agrees that when police are called into crisis, they need every support available to them. And that is why we have stood up in, in so many ways in so many communities. In some cases, there are car programs. In some cases, there are ACT programs with a police liaison. Uh, but what we are, and, and, and I will say again to the member, um, I don't think you are in the room, sorry, I don't think the member was in the room at Union of BC Municipalities when I talked to repeated councils about this, including the mayor of Penticton, that when I talked with them about the multitude of ways that can keep police away from those calls completely, many of them were encouraged. And again, our government works across a whole continuum of supports no options have been closed in relation to car programs where it, there is a specific ride-along nurse with a police officer. I'm not saying no. I'm saying we are open to all ideas. But I will uh, remind the member again, the number one recommendation of the Lepard Butler report was for these kind of crisis calls that there be non-police interventions. And that's why we have funded the North Shore peer-assisted care team, which in its first year of operation was contacted 448 times, dispatched 75 times, and only in six instances did they need to call police in. I'm talking to police officers and municipal leaders in many communities, and they say this, in addition to the other supports we're giving police and people in crisis, is something that they want to continue to expand and explore. Thank you. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. South Thompson. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, the, the minister uh, keeps saying that, uh, that she and her government uh, have left all the options on the table. It sure doesn't feel that way to municipalities that have car programs that were established before this government took power, that have been urging the government to expand these programs, and the government has, has not allowed that to happen. It sure doesn't feel that all the options are on the table to those, those communities like Coquitlam and Burnaby and others that have asked for car programs and this government hasn't allowed them to be funded. The minister says she hasn't said no. Well, she hasn't said yes either, Mr. Mr. Speaker. And the fact of the matter is that, that car programs respond when there is a risk of violence and they can't be substituted by peer teams. The, the minister is treating this like an either-or situation when it's not. We need both police and peer programs and we need a lot more of, of both of them. And Mr. Speaker, car programs have not only been called for uh, for five and a half years by the official opposition, they've been called for by mayors, they've been called for by, uh, by police. Uh, they were, it was a top recommendation in the, in the, uh, uh, the recent Lepard report. It was uh, uh, recommendation number four of the All-Party Committee on Reforming the Police Act. Uh, the fact of the matter is that the, the, the committee uh, uh, on, on looking at reforming the Police Act heard loud and clear how having both medical records and police files, how that allows for a bigger picture, a more complete picture of a mental health crisis so that the nurse and the police officer can make the most informed decision. Recommendation four of the uh, all-party committee uh, said, and I quote, co-response models such as car programs, end quote. So the question to the minister again is, what is the minister 
uh, what the minister is doing is not working. Why is she leaving, why is the minister leaving communities across the province uh, without uh, programs at all, uh, car programs at all, or an expansion of these critical car programs which have been proven to work so effectively where they do exist across British Columbia? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Because our government recognizes that police on the front line and people who are in mental health and substance use crisis need supports tailored to meet their needs, and because the health authorities are our vital regional delivery partner, um, in uh, one year ago, my ministry funded Vancouver Coastal Health to expand staffing for the CAR 8788 program to better respond to increased call volumes, triage referrals, and complete assessments. I also, through my ministry, uh, provided Vancouver Coastal Health temporary funding to create an urgent mobile response service in the North Shore, uh, CAR 22, which is a partnership between BCH and the RCMP, the Integrated First Nations Unit of the RCMP, and West Vancouver Police. That's an example of something when sought by the health authority that I, uh, my ministry funded, and we are open to more of these models. We need to tackle these problems with the diversity of approaches. Member for Kamloops South Thompson. Mr. Speaker, when it comes to uh, just how important these, uh, these interventions really are uh, for, the, for all involved, it's, it's, it's all about the results. And where car programs are in place, the results are very, very good. And we hear in, in, uh, in some uh, responses from the minister um, that uh, uh, the health authorities do their own thing. We hear uh, in other responses that she actually has inserted herself and, and, and directed a, a, a health authority over here to, to do something, but won't uh, provide the same direction over here. The fact of the matter is, if, she, if the minister and the government wanted to make this a priority, she would direct all of the health authorities to properly fund the requests of every municipality that asks for either a new car program or an expansion of an existing car program. Last year, she was directly asked to intercede with health authorities to provide communities the much-needed, much-asked-for car program services, Mr. Speaker. And you know what her response was? The minister's response was this, and I quote, do, I do not get into the small operational details, end quote. It, I think British Columbians would agree that it's time for this minister to stop passing the buck and to recognize that when a program is proven to work in communities across British Columbia, and when British Columbians are in crisis, she needs to get directly involved and do her job. So, Mr. Speaker, the, uh, the question, question is this. Right now, this minister could stand up, as I said, she could tell health authorities that these CAR programs are a priority of this government, they must be funded in the communities that ask for them, they're desperately needed services. Will the minister do that today? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. As I've said repeatedly, uh, we have all options on the table. We need a diversity of, of responses. And as I noted in my previous answer, when Vancouver Coastal Health uh, approached my ministry and said that they wanted to have expansion of the CAR program funded, um, because, they, because Vancouver Coastal Health thought that they had the health resources and the staff in place to expand that CAR program, that is what I did. And we supported that. That was just one year ago. That's a recent example. 
the peer assisted care teams that were the number one recommendation in Lepard Butler, uh, this year's budget invested $1.26 million to create new teams in West Vancouver, uh, sorry, in uh, New West and in Victoria to add to the North Shore program. Um, they are mobile teams that de-escalate situations involving mental health crisis, and they connect people to community services and supports. So these are people who are in distress with thoughts of self-harm or suicide, families experiencing challenges, substance use, loss of reality, feelings of hopelessness and despair, social isolation and loneliness, fear and anxiety, other mental health uh, challenges. They also help people living with mental illness and substance use and their families keep connection to their communities and to health services. They are typically a combination of trained peers and mental health professionals, social workers, psychiatric nurses to provide trauma-informed, culturally safe support. That's an example in three communities with three municipalities, and we're determined to do more. Thank you, Minister. Member for Saanich North and the Islands. Yeah, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, yesterday, the legislature's own committee uh, on drug toxicity recommended a full review of the Mental Health Act. They call it outdated. Uh, we've heard this before. Uh, the committee that I sat on, uh, Mr. Speaker, the uh, committee reviewing the Police Act, uh, also called for a full review of uh, the Mental Health Act. It's clear that we need to change uh, the mental health services in this province, but instead of looking at the system as a whole, what we've seen this government and this minister do is invest in a system that's clearly broken. It's a Band-Aid solution. It's not working, and the legislature has heard that time and again. In fact, members of this, own, of this House have come together twice now and implored the government to change and to review the Mental Health Act. So through you, Mr. Speaker, to the minister, when can the public expect a full review of the Mental Health Act? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The system of care that we are working hard to build is what I hear families and people on the front line call for. They say it's decades overdue. Um, and while we are fighting two public health emergencies, we are working with health authorities and with partners from every sector of, of our province and people in particularly with lived and living experience about what they need right now. And our very first priority is getting the crisis supports, getting the mental health counseling, getting the programs in schools. And so that's why our first priority was not reviewing the Mental Health Act. It was providing services that people need. Um, we are we are considering members, please. We're considering all the recommendations of the Select Standing Committee um, on Health in its review of my ministry's response to the toxic drug overdose crisis, um, reviewing all their recommendations um, with gratitude to the um, hundreds and hundreds of people across the province that put their personal experiences and their lives on the line. That's what I'm focused on, is what people with lived members. experience. Members, if you want to ask a question, you have to give it time for an answer. Please continue. My very first focus is building up the voluntary system of care and the supports that people are, look, are asking for. A review of the Mental Health Act is something that our government certainly uh, has under consideration and will get to. Member for Sandwich North and the Island Supplemental. Uh, 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. While this minister is and other ministers are reviewing the recommendations that have come now from two committees made up of colleagues of this uh, Legislative Assembly, imploring the government to review the Mental Health Act, the one as late as just yesterday that table was reported, uh, a report was put on the table, uh, the, the reality of it is, is that we have known that this has been a problem for a long time. They're reviewing the recommendations, Why, and we're investing millions of dollars in a system that is fragmented and broken. That is what we're hearing time and time again from those people that are coming and submitting uh, their, their feedback to these committees. This, uh, the, the Mental Health Act uh, is actually overseen by the Minister of Health. And so what we have here is we have a, a Mental Health Act, we have two ministers uh, that oversee this. Uh, the, the, this law that we have is working against creating a better system of mental health. No amount of money that this minister and this government is going to invest in it will change that. It's like trying to eat soup with a fork, Mr. Speaker. The Police Act Committee, the Mental Health Act Committee, or the, the, uh, the Police Act Committee and the Health Committee have both said review the Mental Health Act. It echoes the representative of children and families, the ombudsperson, and several community organizations. My question is to the Minister of Health. Will he commit to reviewing the Mental Health Act? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, I will say again, in a time of two public health emergencies, our focus, very first of all, is on standing up the supports that save people's lives right now, the work that needs to be done right now. We've created 100 new positions uh, funding early psychosis intervention. Those interventions early can save young people from a lifetime of struggling with psychosis. We've added uh, almost uh, 50,000 new uh, uh, positions or pl uh, places where people can connect with mental health counselling. We're funding the health authorities to offer culturally informed um, Indigenous healing uh, service provision. And, and in time, we will, I'm sure, together review the Mental Health Act, but I'll point to where we do, an, in a surgical way, uh, the interventions that um, advocates and people with lived experience ask us for right now. It was just this spring that in this chamber, an amendment to the Mental Health Act to provide rights advice service was introduced and initiated by the Premier-designate, um, incoming Premier. That's the kind of work for the first time in British Columbia's history, providing rights advice for service for people who are admitted involuntarily under the Mental Health Act. That is the kind of immediate work and that our government has proved again and again. We will intervene and make changes where people ask us to um, in the way that actually affects lives right now. Member for Skeena. Mr. Speaker, for the last few years now, we've been listening uh, not only to the, the citizens of British Columbia talk about the, the, the drug crisis we have and the mental health crisis we have in BC. We've been listening to the recommendations coming from the, the reports. We've been listening to the minister talking about keeping all options on the table open. So it's clear now that that's not the problem. The problem is that this minister is at that same table and not doing anything, not even doing her job. That's the problem. I mean,
mean, we, we can't live through another report if that's what the minister's thinking. I mean, we're talking about mental health, we're talking about violence, we're talking about so many different things that British Columbians have been demanding, begging for, mayors. And all we're asking is for the minister to do her job based on the reports that this own government commissioned. We are in a mental health and addictions crisis. We've known that for a few years now. That's why this ministry was created. Well, over two years ago, the outgoing premier called a snap election so he could pass legislation enabling mandatory treatment. But after the election, the NDP promptly abandoned the idea. The minister ruled out mandatory treatment. Now we have a premier designate who suddenly says mandatory treatment is a good idea again. Will the NDP please, on behalf of British Columbians, take a clear position to the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions? Do the NDP, NDP support mandatory treatment or not? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, allow me to address, first of all, the beginning part of the member's question where he says, I have not done my job. There has never been a place in Canada where a provincial government, on the basis of intervention in uh, overdose crisis, has achieved decriminalization of people who use drugs. We we're, the first, we're the first place in Canada where doctors can prescribe safe supply to separate people from Members. the toxic drug supply. We're the first place in Canada where nurses can prescribe medication-assisted treatment to prevent overdose. We have, opened, we have opened more addiction treatment beds. We went from one inhalate, one supervised consumption site when the members opposite were in government. Excuse we now me, have Minister, if you just 40. take a moment, please. Members, please let's hear the answers, let's hear the questions, let's respect the people's time. Please continue. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Right now, to the member's question at the end of his question, um, right now people are detained involuntarily under the Mental Health Act. That is a tool that exists, uh, and there are people that are detained involuntarily in the psychiatric uh, forensic system um, coming out of corrections, people that are found not criminally responsible. Uh, there are. Uh, in a, but the real focus of our work has been on building up the voluntary system of care, one that did not exist in sufficient scope when we took government. We've opened more than 300 addiction treatment beds, voluntary. Uh, we are opening complex care housing for people for whom supportive housing is not enough and people that tend to be evicted because of untreated mental health and addictions. We've opened the Redfish Healing Centre, 105 beds which have some involuntary beds, some voluntary beds. Across the continuum, we are, we are building the system of care that people need and deserve. Member for Skeena. So, it's not appropriate to do a victory lap on your failure. <laughs> You're the chair member. I mean, this is how the coroner's death review panel. 
members, we will hear the question. This is how the coroner's death review panel described the ministry's system, and I quote, a lack of coordinated services, gaps in service delivery, long wait times, and eligibility for services inconsistent with people's lived experiences. End quote. That's coming from the coroner. And it's going to be, it's going to be a shock to the British Columbians that mandatory treatment is now in place in BC. I didn't see any announcements. I didn't see any debate in that. So it'll be uh, interesting to see the record and where that came up. The number of young people that are dying keeps going up in British Columbia. Last year, a record 30 young people died, 200% higher than 2016. Last week, 18-year-old Kylie Walker of Victoria died, and five of her friends overdosed. This is what Kylie's great uncle, Joe Thorne, says, and I quote, we need to make it mandatory that they be given treatment now, end quote. What the minister is doing is not working. The question is simple. Will the minister support mandatory treatment, yes or no? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. The bill that my predecessor, Judy Darcy, brought in to this chamber was not for forced treatment. That is not something that our government has ever proposed uh, legislatively or through a programmatic setting. Uh, the, the, in the scope of the, form, the bill formerly known as 22 was that following an overdose that young people uh, be, have a, a cooling period, um, ideally for 48 hours, maybe as long as a week, uh, where they could stabilize after an overdose and have the opportunity be, to be connected with treatment off options, but there was no consideration, no contemplation of forced treatment. We make our investments based on evidence, and the evidence says forced treatment does not work. What we heard at the time was that, particularly from Indigenous leaders, but also uh, many civil liberties advocates, including the representative of children and youth and the coroner, um, that they wanted us to revisit the legislation. Um, and, and that was the announcement that I made uh, last year, that we would not proceed with Bill 22, but we would instead co-develop with First Nations leadership a way to provide young people following an overdose the ways to get back, connected back to community and connected to tr the options for treatment and support, but not forced treatment. Member for Surrey, White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Last week, parents of autistic children stood outside the incoming Premier's constituency office in the pouring rain, fighting for their children, calling on him to stop the NDP clawback on autism funding. It has been a year since this government, since this minister, have announced this clawback, the funding that these families, these children depend on, that these children need. The added strain and the added stress caused by this minister to these families is immeasurable. So my question is to the minister, and it's a simple one. Will this minister stop this clawback of autism funding? Minister of Children and Family Development. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. It is important to listen to parents and to families and to children and to youth and I have been listening very carefully to families and to parents 
and I will continue to listen to families and to parents. And where I hear concerns, I take those very seriously, Honourable Speaker. I've been listening to a, a large range of families, and I've also been hearing from, other, from many families that their children have been left behind, that they haven't had access to services that they need. We have had calls, we have had repeated... Members, please. Let the speaker have the floor, and then you will get your time. Repeated recommendations from the representative for children and youth, and recommendations from a committee of this very legislature that we need to move towards a needs-based system. The current patchwork is leaving too many children and youth behind, and services are locked behind a diagnosis. What that does, Honourable Speaker, is it causes a delay in, in children accessing services, and that isn't good for their development. We're going to build a system that will serve more children and youth. It will make services more accessible and earlier in their development, and that will help children and youth thrive. Yes. <laughs> Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. It's a simple question. Will the minister cancel the clawback of autism funding, yes or no? Minister of Children and Family Development. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. It's really important that children and youth have access to the services that they need when they need them. We're working towards building a system that will mean that more children and youth have better access to services to meet their needs. And Members, please. Members. Please continue, Minister. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. We've had repeated recommendations from the representative for children and youth who we listen to, and we're also listening to families, Indigenous rights and title holders, service providers, community agencies. But um, just to reinforce the need to change the system, I'd like to offer some words from the representative for children and youth from September this year. We fundamentally need to transform the services and support for children and youth with special needs and their families. Thousands of children aren't getting services right now, so we absolutely need to shift. The system has not been easy to navigate so that some families, including families with autism, have not been able to access the services. In addition to that, there hasn't been anything for some families to even navigate because there are virtually no resources. The system needs to change, Honourable Speaker, and that's what we're doing. The bell ends question period.